CPM East Lansing. This is City Pulse on the Air. Joining you now, your Editor-in-Chief of the Lansing City Pulse, Burl Schwartz. Hello again, this is Burl Schwartz talking. Later, her weekly conversation with MSU political scientist Matt Grossman on the 2020 presidential campaign. And then, another walk down memory lane with music writer Rich Tupica. First up, though, a local man with a prison record introduces a new brand of pot to benefit ex-felons. Here is Kyle Kaminsky with the story. A new recreational and medical marijuana brand launches in Greater Lansing next week, and 10% of every sale will be dedicated to criminal justice reform and those imprisoned for marijuana. Ryan Bassor, who served time in federal prison on a pot conviction, will launch Redemption Cannabis Company on May 23rd. It'll supply several local dispensaries with exclusive strains of top-notch bud, pre-rolled joints, live resin vaporizer cartridges, THC concentrates, and other pot products. I know we talked briefly last year about the concept for your company. Sounds like you've got things uh, up and running now to some extent. So I guess to to start, could you just run me through what you've been up to since we last talked and uh, a little bit more about the general concept for the business in general? Yeah, sounds great. No, uh, so since we last talked, I've uh, I got a, a social equity grant from uh, Gage Cannabis um, for fifty thousand dollars, and I uh, used that to launch my brand Redemption, which. A uh, portion of every sale, uh, we're going to help people affected by the war on cannabis, uh, people that are in, people that are out, and uh, in, in transition, and, and to try to help uh, uh, also maybe influence uh, the criminal justice laws that are, you know, really starting to, to go in uh, a favorable way. So that's that end of it. But since then, I've been able to um, – uh, I've got four strategic partners. I've got uh, True Cannabis, which is in Lansing. I've got uh, Relief uh, Solutions in Kalkaska, but uh, it's Tom and Krista Beller. They're originally from Lansing. I had uh, Driven Grow and Frederick, and then um, Fresh Coast Extracts is my processor, and I am co-branding under my, my brand, uh, their flower, and then we're also making things such as live resin carts, the THC diamonds. Uh, we will have some RSO uh, edible products in the future. We're also doing uh, flour prepackaged eighths, uh, one gram pre rolls, and five packs of 0.7 grams, so eight pre rolls. And um, that's about ready to go. I had some major issues with uh, with getting my packaging on time and delays. I uh, was actually the factory I got it out of was from is Wuhan, in Wuhan, and you know they it took them a while to open up uh, from when they were supposed to after the Chinese New Year, and it's. Uh, it's been it's been tough. It's been a lot of delays, but uh, it's it's taught me now. I'm going with somebody local moving forward with packaging that has relationships in 30 other countries, and you know, I, I'm just moving forward. I think that might be the aspect for a lot of people uh, can't completely rely on China for it. But anyways, um, go ahead. I was gonna say, let's take a step back here. I want to see how this fits into the overall industry. Are we talking growing and processing or retail level? What's uh, how exactly does the the company work? I have a lot of different products there. How does it? How do you provide them, and, and where do they go? And yep, that's how. Uh, so what I do is um, I basically have uh, I have licensing agreements with uh, three licensed growers and one licensed processor right now. With more coming on. Um, I'm going to be working with uh, Rush Chambers and the Botanical Company on the north side of Lansing that'll 
the open and is also a grown processor, so that'll be my my fifth. But and what they do is they they we pick certain strains uh, and of the flower and and grow, and I'm going to have exclusive ones that I've been uh, acquiring, and, and now we've got those going to be coming up six to seven months when when they finally hit. But so they grow flower for me, the three growers, and we either that in, in turn uh, brand it with Redemption and their brand and kind of tell their story and feature them, the people behind who's making the products. And these guys all love cannabis and been doing it a long time. The idea is to not be a, a big corporate brand with uh, nobody knows who's, who's doing what, just featuring them. So we're going to have prepackaged eights like, uh, and pre-rolls and five packs of pre-rolls with that flower. And then we've also... Um, Take in, you can take that flower as uh, the, the basically the, the um, trim or fresh grows in the whole plant, and we've been sending it up to Fresh Coast Extracts, and and we're, we've created a whole line of six straight specific live resin carts and THC diamonds, and there's a huge shortage on the regulated market right now with for those products, and there's a even bigger shortage in the recreational market for those products, so. Um, I'll be having some products that only two or three companies are even providing, and um, we're able to do that. Uh, all of my partners uh, also have their rec licenses, so actually in a really good uh, position. And then how I chose my provisioning centers that I'm going to be in, uh, I've got so many friends over the last 10 years that have stores now and have built, built friendship relationships with. I got to pick and choose whose stores I'm going to be in, and uh, I'm going to end up being at 25 to start, and I know all these people, and some of them I've known 20, 30 years, uh, some less, and I, I get the opportunity to, to work with people I really like. They're all my friends, uh, my, my strategic partners, and all these provision, provisioning center people are people that kind of believe in what I do, so uh, it's, it's awesome. It's uh, kind of it's my dream job, and uh, my big thing is I also – I handle the sales and I market it and we're going to be doing a lot of different marketing a lot of different ideas there's uh, one of the provisioning centers is going to hit the media next week they're doing, with my, when I launch with them next Friday they're going to offer a, uh, a marijuana felon and marijuana misdemeanor uh, discount plan uh, uh. at their store so um, and the idea came from Atlanta guy but it's really cool it's exciting uh, so that's it we're I mean I'm really get to do what I uh, what I love is to go out and talk and talk about marijuana and come up with products and um, lots of ideas. And uh, I, I just got great strategic partners that are great growers, and, and then the retailers are great as well. And in Lansing, I've, I'm friends with a lot of the guys that got the licenses. We, we kind of came up together in this. And so I'll be in uh, Pure Options, Edgewood, Wellness, Stateside, Old 27, Homegrown, and then Gage cannabis company is launching is opening in Lansing May 27th and they uh they're going to be carrying my flower along with their cookies flower and uh that's uh you know they gave me the social equity grant I got a lot of respect for those guys and that'll be another store in Lansing so uh, a lot of Lansing stores because that's what kind of where I'm from this is City Pulse on 89FM the impact let's get back to Kyle Kaminsky's story on ex-felon Ryan Basor and his new brand of pot to benefit other ex-felons. Do we have an official launch date on when some of these products are going to be available? So the, some pre, uh, two different kinds of prepackaged eight. Uh, there's going to be five, five times of pre, uh, pre-roll, one grams, and 
also the five pack, and that's going to be next Friday. Gotcha. Week from so today. Walk me through uh, a little bit more of the uh, portion of every sales uh, and what it goes to and, and what the idea is there. Yep. So 10% of uh, right now it's 10% of my revenue is going to go into a, a five uh, nonprofit, and uh, the the goal of it is to uh, you know do things as far as put money on people's books that are in prison, like Danny Trevino, uh, one of my friends that's in there. Um, you know, make sure, you know, I was in, I was in there for a few years and I understand like what it's like and how important. So put, put money on people's books. I help people, um, when they get out of prison, uh, was, you know, 80% of the people I was in the halfway house at Kalamazoo, they, they went back in because if you don't have a great friends and a family and support system, you're, you're set up to completely fail. So, Help people with training. Help people on their way their way out. Help people get into the marijuana industry with jobs too, if they like, or, or trades. But then also really try to influence getting people um, that are in prison for marijuana out, and then uh, and then definitely um, you know work with uh, the criminal justice and uh, keep pushing the the way that's going. We got a great prosecutor in Ingham County, Carol Simon. Uh, kind of spearheading that in, in Michigan, in my opinion, along with Dave and Nessel. And, you know, just keep pushing for great criminal justice reform. Hey, you mentioned it earlier, but, you know, how has the pandemic impacted your business plans here? I mean, they, it seems kind of unusual to be having a product launch in the middle of a health crisis, but I know marijuana is an essential business here in Michigan still and always has been. It is. It is. Yeah, so, it's you know, we, we were going to do a, a big launch before before the um, obviously it delayed my launch a couple months with the packaging, but we were going to do, a, you know, a big in-person in-store deal. And obviously we wouldn't do that. And I'm not trying to make a, a big deal about this just because I think it's kind of um, a little insulting to, to other people dealing with other stuff. So I'm just trying to be a positive story. Uh, I'm working hard during this. I'm, I'm working every day and uh, on my brand and, uh, and getting this launched. It's been, it's been, it hasn't been easy. Um, especially in the pandemic, you know, it's not so much face-to-face uh, at all. And, and just, uh, you know, I'm just basically trying to be an example of working hard, keeping your head up, and, and just still trying to do your best during this. But, you know, I respect uh, I'm not trying to, to make a big deal about it, that's for sure. Sure. Well, I think it's important that people remember that to uh, some degree this is medicine for people. And, and even on the recreational level, a, a number of medical patients could have let their cards expire. We don't we don't know since it's been available. So. Yeah. And that's the real. And for, for most people, the reason they use it, if you, you know, I've always been a big proponent that, I, you know, that all cannabis use is medical because, uh, uh, you know, just think about the different anxieties and, and things like uh, being at home and, and uh, you know, if, if smoking a joint or taking an edible or whatever uh, helps you relax and and you know be calm and uh, you know better better person to be around and for yourself. I mean, it's uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Well, I think that just about covers it. Unless there were uh, anything you wanted to add or anything you think I should have been asking. Well, that's that's good. I'm just uh, excited to finally launch and and launch in Lansing and uh, you know ready to. Uh, ready to have uh, the stores back open for the public and uh, to get, get through all this.
Fessor told me his company would have launched months ago had it not been for the pandemic. His initial product packaging supplier in Wuhan, China, obviously experienced some delays, but after working out some alternative partnerships with local companies, the new brand is finally ready to roll. Redemption Cannabis Company will provide an array of products in Lansing at local dispensaries, and as part of a launch special, discounts may be available to those convicted of pot-related crimes. I'm Kyle Kaminsky for City Pulse. Thanks, Kyle. This is City Pulse and 89FM, The Impact. I'm Burl Schwartz. Now let's check in with MSU political scientist Matt Grossman, as we do each week, on the state of the 2020 presidential campaign. Matt, what is on your mind this week? Well, at the state level, we're seeing uh, increased polarization around uh, the lockdowns and the uh, COVID-19 response. Um, We're finally starting to see Republicans move away from uh, approval of the, the government's uh, response, um, while Democrats are, are holding, holding steady. Um, the, the public as a whole is still very supportive of the governor's actions, but uh, it looks like some of the elite rhetoric is, is trickling down to the, the public as well. And then at the national level, uh, we're seeing polarization around the, the stimulus uh, response. Uh, I still think there will be a new stimulus bill, but uh, it probably uh, will look a lot different than the, than the $3 trillion one that's likely to pass the House uh, this week. Matt, the, uh, let's uh, visit the first issue, uh, this argument over what some are referring to as virus trutherism. Um, how damaging could this be to uh, the advantage Joe Biden is showing in the polls right now, do you think? Well, uh, it looks like so far that opinions, uh, changing opinions on the on the virus are following uh, opinions of the, the president rather than uh, directing them. So probably isn't going to have a lot of impact on the presidential election. Um, the for the most part, people are still much more supportive of the governor's response than the, the president's response, and the people who um, are starting to be less supportive of the governor's response uh, ha- are people who have already decided to support Trump in the election. Uh, let's look back a little bit to before uh, the pandemic um, uh, hit. Uh, what was the shape then? Was Trump in good shape then as far as uh, being reelected? Well, there hasn't been a whole lot of movement in either the approval rating or his head-to-heads against uh, Joe Biden. Um, I saw one uh, analysis that CNN did that um, showed that he was up between five and six points uh, uh, for the most part now. Uh, he was up by the same amount if he did an average of the last year and 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 basically, you know, nearly any month um, in the last few uh, months. So it hasn't been a whole lot of change, um, but the, the, the big change uh, for forward-looking um, change is the economy. That is um, the one thing that seemed to be kind of a, a Trump wheelhouse that had a chance to, to move uh, traditional Republican voters back into the fold. Um, Trump doesn't have that any longer. So uh, that is a big, big change in his likelihood of being reelected. Of course, uh, the presidency isn't the only thing at stake in 2020. Uh, the Senate uh, uh, is in play. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on uh, uh, how that may develop? 
Well, uh, we're, we're starting to see that the Democrats do have a chance to, to take back the Senate, but it would require almost a clean sweep. Uh, they're likely to lose uh, Doug Jones's seat in Alabama, and that means that they would need four uh, and the presidency. And they have those four opportunities in uh, Colorado, Arizona, uh, Maine, and North Carolina, um, but there aren't a whole lot of others on the board, um, and of course they would still have to protect uh, those in, in Michigan that are still theoretical possibilities for uh, the Republicans. Um, so um, not a whole lot of change, a, a potential path for the Democrats, but it's still an uphill uh, battle where they would have to kind of win uh, across the board. Um, now, traditionally, obviously, the presidential vote is very closely tied uh, to these other two congressional votes, um, and the correlation is going up over time. Um, but we do also see uh, some division, especially if uh, people think that one side is going to win. So uh, Republicans in House races actually did about three percentage points better nationally than did Trump in 2016. And part of that seems to be attributable to the fact that people thought Hillary Clinton was going to win. Um, so they were there are at least some people in the middle who um, don't like to give full control to one side or the other. Um, so there's a possibility that if it looks like Trump is certain to lose, that that might actually uh, hurt Democrats uh, in these congressional and Senate races. That people would say home because they think it's preordained. Is that? Well, there's some of the turnout effect, but there also is a, a bit of a balancing effect. It's not very many voters, but there are some voters who, if they, they think the president is going to be a Democrat, um, they're more likely to vote for the Republican member of Congress and vice versa. Do we know, uh, as uh, we see these polls, uh, the University of Minnesota Ipso poll on how governors are doing, do we know where independents are in terms of support for uh, opposition to uh, Governor Whitmer, for example? Uh, well, they're, uh, as you might imagine, in the middle of Democrats and Republicans, um, and that means that they are uh, still supportive of the governor and um, the the government's uh, response, um, but they are trending uh, a little bit against. So they started at a very high level of support, and and they're, that's declining, but, but it's still well above uh, half support. Uh, we're talking to uh, political scientist Matt Grossman, as we do every week here on uh, City Pulse on 89FM, The Impact. Uh, Matt, uh, one of the challenges uh, Joe Biden faces is uh, getting out of the basement, uh, so to speak, of his house in Delaware to campaign. President Trump is campaigning. He was in Pennsylvania yesterday where they hope that uh, uh, this virtual trutherism movement uh, will benefit him. Uh, do you, have you seen any uh, movement in the last week on a democratic strategy to get uh, Trump, uh, to rather to get Biden in front of the public? Well, there are uh, reasons to, to expect that, that local visits uh, might help the, the candidates. Um, they there are studies that uh, uh, both send candidates randomly to places and see what the effects were and uh, also uh, just look at the, the effects in aggregate. And, and part of the effect is that local media tend to cover 
uh, a local visit very positively. So that has a chance to, to help Trump and to, and to, to hurt Biden if he, if he doesn't uh, make it. Um, but it's a long way to go, and I think uh, they are understandably taking it uh, slow and trying to be uh, more cognizant of the, the public health warnings than, than Trump is. Um, and I think they, they also see, you know, that, that regardless of what the, the messaging looks like, it's the results that are that are going to really matter. And so if these states that, that are opening early in response to Trump see a return uh, to high levels of uh, of the virus and deaths, um, then, you know, they just assume that be, be, uh, blamed on, on Trump, um, and seen as a, as a failure. And I think that's part of the bet that they're making. Uh, one of the things that has happened in the last week is the democratic national committee now has authority, uh, to, uh, call off the, um, uh, call off the uh, convention if it wishes. Uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on uh, how uh, a virtual convention might play out? Yeah, it's um, it seems unlikely that we'll have the the conventions in the normal form. Um, I think Trump even finally said it's a possibility that the, <laughs> there won't be a Republican uh, convention live as well. Um, it's interesting in that it's it's sort of a media event anyway. Um, so uh, on, on the one hand, you know, it's a, it could be televised <laughs> regardless of, of who's in the room, uh, the same way we're thinking about doing doing sports. Um, but, but of course, it'll be lower key and, um, you know, potentially less likely to, to be watched and to, and to bring voters home than, than in the past. Now, our evidence of convention effects is mostly that they accelerate uh, the return of the partisans into the fold. Um, we don't necessarily think that it, it they move votes in the to the to the extent that people wouldn't have eventually made their way to their preferred party candidate. It's more that that's usually the moment uh, the, that people do so. Um, but it's important to remember that we're already at a very high level of partisan support for uh, their nominees um, at this point in the campaign. So it could be that we don't need the conventions to sort of have that uh, consolidation occur. Uh, indeed, I saw a number when you, you mentioned uh, uh, that it's a media event that uh, for the 5,000 uh, delegates to a convention, uh, there are 20,000 <laughs> members of the media. Um, so yeah, uh, no, we, we, we had some pretty exciting um, conventions last time, um, uh, comparatively. They were about as exciting as they've been in, in decades. Um, because we had at least some people threatening to to make a, a show of stopping the the Trump nomination, um, and Ted Cruz uh, famously uh, saying "vote vote your conscience." Um, and then on the Democratic side, we had some a, a fairly loud um, uh, Sanders supporters um, uh, holding out against uh, against Clinton, and then the kind of attempt to, to drown it out. So uh, th those were exciting by contemporary convention st standards. Um, we shouldn't necessarily expect a return to, to that, even if we even if we did have the crowds. Well, Matt uh, Grossman, political scientist from Michigan State, thanks for looking into a cloudy crystal ball for us. Thank you. This is City Pulse on 89FM, The Impact. I'm Burl Schwartz. What to do when there's no live music? 
Our music editor, Rich Tupica, has been offering our readers a look back at songs by Michigan bands that made it big. We'll go back out. I uh, will go out, rather, on Rich's pick for this week. For City Pulse, I'm Burl Schwartz. Thanks for listening, and stay safe. Hi, City Pulse listeners. Uh, the track you're going to hear right now is from a late 60s band from Lansing, Michigan called Magic. And uh, the track I'm going to be playing is from their record Enclosed, which was uh, recorded uh, not long after the frontman, uh, guitarist and vocalist uh, Dwayne King uh, returned home from Vietnam. You know, he had a a rough rough time over there working, uh, you know, in the demilitarized zone. It was a a pretty... uh, intense experience and um from what he told me when i interviewed him a few years back you know he came back and said i was just trying to acclimate myself uh from not being in the jungle anymore and kind of uh do something positive so he started uh this rock and roll band called magic and um the track you're about to hear is called uh um you know you must believe she's gone and uh it's uh it's kind of like a moody ballad uh but some of their other stuff goes into the more progressive uh, rock and roll uh somewhat bluesier rock um uh, elements are, are are tucked in there but uh yeah it's definitely it has that late 60s sound um it was right you know at the height of uh, Jimi hendrix the doors all of these big bands were kind of uh pushing the the, the envelope as far as uh you know moving in some psychedelics and uh and whatnot to the forefront of the sound that uh you know the garage rock bands of the mid 60s were phased out and uh these these uh rock and roll dudes came in and uh they did something a little bit more experimental so here it is magic uh playing uh, you must believe she's gone
Jesus, 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 Jesus,